seated. Church, we are really blessed to have our founding pastor, Pastor Peter, coming to share God's words. We continue in our series in Joshua. Would you make Peter feel really welcome as he comes to share with us now? Thanks, Nathan. Uh, thanks, church. And good morning to everyone. And I just want to add my welcome um, to those that have already been expressed this morning and especially too, to those that are online as well. God bless you. God bless you. I don't know about you, but I love coming to church. Do you love coming to church? I, I love coming to church. I, uh, there's just so many good things. I love worshipping God with the team. Do you know the team gets here at 6am in the morning? 6am and then they go right through to 11.30 or whatever it is. What a blessing that is to us so that we can work. Yeah, actually, I think we should. We should, I think, yeah. I love hearing the stories of God's great work in people's lives as we've heard this morning from Hannah. Wow. I love drinking coffee. Not that you're thinking about drinking coffee at the moment. I, I hope you notice that. Don't you put those things out of your mind for the moment. You're listening to God's word. Um, I, I think it's amazing that, that the God who created the heavens and the earth is here this morning to speak to you. Did you know that? Isn't that an awesome thought? That God in all his greatness here this morning. I, I don't know about you, but um, when, I, when I come to church and, and listen to the word of God, it's, it's often he's got things to say to me and then things I have to do as a consequence of that. Sometimes I have to ask for forgiveness, um, as Andrew was speaking about. We've actually had about three sermons already, so this will be your fourth one I think that you're going to get this, in this service. An action that I need to engage in. But the other thing is, I often get words of encouragement from our God. He, he, he's such an encouraging Father. Always in, you know, stirring faith in us to keep pressing on, keep loving Him. But as well as all the individual words that I take from particular sermons, I also like to hear what God is saying to us as a community. And I, I find that often comes as you listen to more than one sermon. It's a series of sermons that we're listening to and you get the sense what God's saying to us at the moment. And over recent months, we've heard a word from the Holy Spirit. And that is that God wants to multiply the things that he's doing among us. And he's telling us how to do that multiplying work. It began actually back in June when our senior pastor spoke about unwavering faith. That God wants to multiply and grow the things that he's doing. My brother John came and preached a sermon that Jesus has given us all we need to do this task. From Pastor Dale Stevenson down to Victoria, from Victoria. And he preached a sermon, and that's that the mission has been placed in the hands of ordinary people. That's you and me, ordinary people. From Pastor Jason Ellsmore, we heard there's an urgency about this mission. From Pastor Andrew, we heard it again. Every believer has been empowered for this task. And not only has God been making it so clear what he's calling us to as a church but he's also given us two special tools to help us to do it he calls us but then he equips us and pastor ryan valick shared how the alpha course can be used to help anyone understand the gospel and then pastor tim Pesey came and explained to us how to look for people of peace and invite them to read the bible with us that's just a little of what I've heard over recent months. And now, now, in the series we're in at the moment, the Joshua series, 
The Holy Spirit is coming now to give us courage to do what he's asked us to do. And that we are not to let any thought or any fear say, I can't share the gospel with someone. Jesus said, the fields are white to harvest. That's what he said. And the people of peace are all around us. And today the Holy Spirit has come to sharpen our focus and ready us to take further action. Now, if you were looking for a person of peace story in the Bible, you probably wouldn't turn to the book of Joshua, would you now? A book about an Israelite army taking hold of the promised land and a book about God's judgment on a people full of evil and wicked practices. But let me read chapter 2 of this book. Now, I've got to read the whole of the chapter. It's a big reading, 24 verses, but it's an amazing and inspiring story. And I don't want to cut it up into little pieces. I just want to give you the whole thing because it's a beauty. Are you inspired? You're ready for it? You don't seem very excited about the word of God this morning, but I pray that you will be. This is such a good story. Are you ready for it? Yep, now we're ready. Okay, here we go. They're about, remember, they're heading into Jericho soon. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. That's a furphy, by the way. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. That's another one. I'm up to two. I don't know which way they went. That's three, is it? Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. No, that's another one. You won't be. But she had taken them to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. Now, there's a short ad break I just want to give here in the middle of the story. You're used to these. So um, if you're wondering about the ethics of lying to protect people from corrupt authorities, then I found a really good summary. Actually, I did find a good summary in one of the articles that I read, one of the sermons that I was listening to, and I'm happy to make that available to you. You can email me, but we're not going to deal with it today. I know you're devastated, but you don't want to go to four points in a sermon. I want to tell you that. You want to stick with three. That's just for everyone's blessing here today. But if you're interested, and a number were at the 8am, feel free to email me and I'll send you that article. It's interesting. So the men set out. Back to the story. Go back to the story. You all on track again? Good. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shine and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. 
For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Just as we have sung this morning, actually. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed There three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. This is God's word to us today. Aren't we thankful for it? Today, I wanted to highlight just three observations about this account of an Old Testament person of peace. The first is this. Persons of peace can be the most unexpected people and they can turn up in the most unexpected places. This story is not what you would expect to find in the second chapter of Joshua. Joshua, the general, was about to lead the Israelites into the land that God had promised Abraham hundreds of years earlier, a land whose present occupants were now under God's judgment. In Genesis 15, 16, we read what God said to Abraham. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Well, obviously now it had. The activities that they were engaged in as a city-state and as a nation included the, the worship of demonic idols, debased sexual practices, and even the sacrificial killing of their children to appease the Canaanite gods. It was a terribly corrupted society, an evil, wicked place, and it was not a community that wanted to recognise or obey God. The broader signs, as you look, look at it, you'd say, this... This is, this is not a good place to be. And you would not be expecting to find anyone in this land who would be interested in God. 
And then, of course, there's Rahab herself, who wouldn't seem to be the likeliest candidate as a person of peace when you think about it. Not only is she a member of this corrupted idol-worshipping society, but she's also a prostitute, which we know God doesn't want that for any person, any woman, any man. If you were Joshua or the spies, you would not be expecting to find a person of peace in this soon-to-be-judged city of Jericho and least of all a pagan-worshipping prostitute. But something very significant was going on in Rahab's heart. Something which set her apart from others in Jericho. Like everyone else in the city, she had heard what God had done for his people 40 years ago. It must have been passed down, obviously, in that community. And the drawing up of the Red Sea so they could escape from the Egyptians. And also what God had done in enabling the Israelites to defeat the two kings of the Amorites on the eastern side of the Jordan. All the inhabitants of Jericho had heard these reports and their hearts had melted in fear, but they still refused to call on God for his grace and mercy. Even though their fate was sealed, they remained in trenchant opposition to both God and God's people. Rahab too was fearful, knowing that God would triumph. She too was quaking. But rather than resisting God, when she encountered the spies, she, she seized hold of this opportunity just to throw in her lot with God's people and God's purposes by saving the lives of these two men. Rahab is a classic person of peace, which is exactly how she's described in the New Testament. Did you know that? Hebrews 11, 31. King James Version says this. By faith, Rahab the harlot perished not with them that were disobedient, having received the spies with peace. She's a person of peace, Rahab. And these are the people that God wants us to be very alert to in our circle and and not to make any assumptions about whom they are likely to be. When Tim Pesey spoke about the person of peace. He said, you can spot them because they like you, they listen to you, and they serve you. Well, it's not hard to see a bit of that in Rahab's heart, is it? She, she interacted with these spies. And then, you know, ensuring that they, they got away safely. I, I know we live in a society which constantly celebrates its unbelief, its resistance to God, But do not conclude that there aren't people around us who are thinking a lot about spiritual matters, including those whom you may conclude would not be interested. God is calling us as a church to go on high alert. That's that's what I sense, high alert. Because he has got a person of peace for every single one of us who love him and worship him and follow him. He's got a person of peace for you. That's what he's saying to us. That's what he's calling us into as a church. These are the ones that God's already working in their lives and wants you and wants me to help them find the wonder of the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's get alert. Let's get ready to extend the invitations 
to the persons of peace that God will lead us to, expected or unexpected. The second observation I want to draw from the story is the enormity of the blessings which become available to persons of peace. I want to actually speak for a few moments to the persons of peace who may be here in this auditorium this this morning or those that are watching online. So if you're one of those people, I want you especially listening in for a few moments. The road to belief and trust in Jesus is usually a, a, a highly contested path because there are always costs real and perceived when you consider transferring your allegiance to Jesus Christ in full. Rahab, we know, had been thinking for some time about the hope of being saved from God's judgment. They've been going through her mind. You know? She's aware of the power of God. But the crunch point came on the day that the message from Jericho's king arrived, demanding that she hand over the Israelite spies. Would she or would she not? Would she hand them over, get the reward from the king and throw in her lot with her own people? Or would she hide the men, help them to escape, And then if her deception is discovered, risk experiencing a painful death. What would you have chosen that day? That's what she was faced with. On that day too, she was also making a decision to actually turn her back on on her lifestyle, the world that she had always known, and she was putting her life and that of her family into the hands of people that she knew really so little about. It was courageous stuff on her part. But that is the nature of faith. It's putting your trust, it's putting your hope in that which is not yet seen and act according to that faith. That's what faith is. Listen to this. James uses Rahab as an example of how real faith operates. Listen, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? See, the crunch point day. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You see, a person is justified by what he or she does and not faith alone. Sooner or later, if you are a person of peace, you'll be faced with more than just, will I believe in God? Will I believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world and and makes possible salvation for those who trust in him? But you will need to decide if you will engage in the actions which demonstrate full allegiance to Jesus Christ. Crunch point day will come. This is why baptism actually is such a significant moment in a person's life. Because it's the action that says, I have changed allegiances. I'm no longer committed to this world. I I am committed to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. We've heard it this morning from Hannah. It's a big decision to make in one day, in one way. I understand that. Because the risks and the costs 
often seem to loom really large at that critical moment when you're thinking about these things. But Rahab, you see, had drawn some really important conclusions from her beliefs. She believed the city was doomed. That's what she believed. And she believed that God of the heavens and the earth was going to give that city into the hands of his people, the Israelites. And so Rahab, against the general apathy of the people in Jericho, against the fear and, and, the, and the social pressures, not, not to go with God's people, she stood against that. And she decided to throw in her lot with God and God's people on that critical moment, that critical time. Now let me ask you a question. Did she regret her choice that day? Did she? Did she regret her choice? This is what we read in Joshua 6.23 after the collapse of the walls. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Not only was Rahab's life saved, that's, that's a benefit, but her faith also resulted in the salvation of her parents and her brothers and sisters and all, that, all those that joined with her in a home in Jericho. But that was only the beginning of the blessings. You listen to these. Listen to these. Rather than belonging to a people who live with little understanding of God and his ways, she experienced a whole new life as a naturalized member of God's people. Rather than life as a prostitute, that was her lot in Jericho, she marries, you can read this in scripture, she marries into one of the leading families in the tribe of Judah. And rather than a life of dishonour, she received the honour of being an ancestor to King David. And if you um, track that family line down, ultimately of Jesus Christ himself. She's an ancestor. She's in the line of Jesus. Did you know that Rahab gets one more mention in the New Testament than Joshua does? Did you know that? Ah. She's a star. Guys, she's a star. This woman's a star. Wow. It's not hard to determine if she made the right choice that day to align herself with God. If you're a person of peace here this morning and you're still wondering if it's worth it to throw in your lot with God, you know, will, be there, will there come some time in the future when you'll regret it? I can assure, that, I can assure you the answers are yes and no. Yes, it's worth it, and no, you'll never regret it. There you go. I'm not promising you answers to every prayer that you want to get answered in some way. I'm not promising fantastic health and a happy family and an easy life. I'm not saying that. But is eternal life, is eternal life better than eternal death? Is that something to be valued? Is it? is being able to, to introduce your family, your parents, your children, as we've been hearing this morning, to eternal life, a benefit, is it? 
we're sharing in Christian community with all the imperfections that are part and parcel of Christian communities. We're sharing there, encourage you to, to love and, and live for God and others. Will that be a blessing to you? Is it a blessing to be here this morning? Well, being free from the powers of darkness so you can set out in, in new directions, forgiven and cleansed, as we've already heard this morning, cleansed. Will that be a joy for you? The answer is yes. If you haven't been noticing, the answers are yes and yes and yes and yes. And that's only the beginning of the incredible blessings which come when you decide to follow Jesus Christ. Rahab's life was never the same and it wasn't for the worst. It wasn't for the worst. If you're a person of peace here today, the Lord's been working in your life for a long time or a short time. You know, belief has grown in your heart. But you have not yet made that decision to transfer your allegiance, your full allegiance to King Jesus, the one who gave his life for you. That I want to invite you, whatever the costs and unknowns may be, to choose the day to fully commit to him. I invite you in the name of Jesus to make that commitment today. The final observation I want to make from this amazing story is the blessing that Rahab as a person of peace was to God's people. Not just her getting blessed, but the blessing that she was. One of the key marks of a person of peace is that they are willing to serve you. We've mentioned that several times. In Jesus' time, it was providing food and somewhere for the disciples to stay as they preached the good news. That's actually where we get the term a person of peace from. And here in Jericho, well, we, we find the spies being offered safe lodgings hidden under the flax and then a plan to ensure their safe return to Joshua and the people of Israel. On this occasion, Rahab's actions meant that two of God's people remained safe. Now, if you're one of those two spies, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty big <laughs> blessing from this person of peace. Spies don't always have a happy ending. Did you know that? They don't always. But there was something far more important than the safety of the two spies. Rahab also reveals how powerfully God is at work. This is what you often find, you so often find in people of peace. This is what she said. Verse 11 and 12. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will shine kindness, you'll show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Now think about this for a moment. When someone in the enemy's camp is telling you they're all shaking in their boots and wants to make a deal with you about being saved, then it fills you obviously with a lot of faith that the outcome's going to be a ripper. That's, that's what it says to me. That's what it says to these spies. Imagine if you'd been Joshua and you heard that story. Wow, wow, what a story to hear. And he heard it. That's what it says. And the two men who were sent out to spy the land, they boldly stake this. So you send the, the troops out to just check it out and they come back with this, this word. The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. 
all the people are melting in fear because of us, then if you know, if you're the leader, if you're the boss there, wow, God's up to something great. It's going to be a mighty victory here. Persons of peace, you will find, they are a constant source of encouragement because through them, through them, we get to see God's work unfolding before our very eyes. You know how privileged we are to see God at work in our world? What a blessing for us as Christians. We see it all the time. We've seen it this morning. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we've had a steady stream of persons of peace coming to faith and being baptised here. And what an encouragement every one of them has been and are to our faith about what God is calling us to do, folks. To see many, many more come into his kingdom. Hannah. And I've been looking for Hannah all morning. Is she here somewhere? Where? There she is. I've got her now. I've been looking in the front row, but if you're in the second row, I've got you spotted now. Yeah. This is what she shared in the testimony. It was also here that I met wonderful people like Tamara, who has become a good friend to me. Person of peace. That's, they become friends, you see. That's how it operates. That's how it works. I've enjoyed taking part in the Alpha and Beyond Alpha programs, as well as being part of a connect group. You know, the tools that God gives for this to help people on the journey of faith. Then listen to these blessings. Rahab had a few. Well, Hannah's got a few too this morning. I just want you to hear them again. I'm filled with such happiness now, now I'm filled with such happiness and contentment knowing that everything that has happened was for a reason. And it was for a reason. God's at work. I have great comfort in my relationship with God as it continues to grow. I still view him, I love this, with fascination and wonder, but I no longer see him as a character out of a children's book. To me, God is, listen to these, strength, love, a teacher, a parent, a comforter and provider. Just like in Deuteronomy 31.8 where it reads, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I thought actually that that was a prophetic word for us today. From a person of peace now being baptised, has been baptised. That we're not to be fearful. That's for some individuals here this morning. I want you to take that. You note that down. Deuteronomy 31a. That's a word for you this morning. You take hold of that. If you're facing something that's big and tough before you at the moment. But, but I took it as a prophetic word for all of us, actually. That we're not to be fearful about this calling from God for all of us to seek out people of peace with whom he has planned for us to share the good news. Not the pastors and not others, for us, all of us, all of us. I wanted to share another story this morning too, just to encourage us to stay alert in this season. This season of seeking people of peace in our lives. Ten days ago, someone in this church checked his phone and saw an unknown number with an attached three-minute voice message. Well, that's a long voice message. He was about to delete it. 
And then he felt prompted to listen to it just in case it was from someone that he knew. Well, it turned out this message to be a very, very distressing one from a very intoxicated bloke. That was the message. Now, many of us would probably have left it there, would you? Just thinking. But this person felt he should call the person back. Wow, now that's courage, isn't it? So the next morning, not too early, he said, <laughs> being a big night for the bloke to see, not too early, he left a voice message which said, if you would like to call me back, happy to have a chat. Wow. Well, about 20 minutes later, his phone rang. And sure enough, it was the guy who had left the message the previous night. The opening part of the conversation was pretty confusing, actually, as they were trying to work out who they were and you know where they were or whatever. And eventually, the guy in our church found out that this guy was someone in an outback Queensland town. That's where he was calling from. And the guy who had left the message also worked out how he had rung the wrong number. He thought he was calling a mate, leave, you know, a big dump of the message on his mate's phone, but he got one digit wrong in the phone number. Wrong one digit, one. Well, the conversation continued with the guy sharing his situation and his hurts his utter state of desperation and how at the end of himself the previous night he had cried out God give me a sign I can't do this anymore which is often where people get when they get that low in life during the conversation he then kept saying over and over there's no mistake this is meant to be and the longer the conversation went on the more that God's work was being revealed he had a bible this is the conversation. He had a Bible and he had read a fair bit of it. Something his aunt had once said, said to him still was sticking in his mind. He shared this in the conversation. You will stand before people and testify. <laughs> That's what the aunt had said to him. You don't know what one, one sentence from you can mean to some people. You realise that, folks? One sentence. And the conversation ended with them praying together. It went on for an hour and a half, so it was a long conversation, hour and a half. And the guy in our church has made arrangements to keep in guy, you know, keep in contact with this guy from the from the outback. Now think about this. When an intoxicated guy in a really distressed state calls out, I need a sign. And the next day he's talking to a Christian man in this church because he got one digit wrong. Then you get faith filled, don't you? You get faith filled. You get faith filled that God's got a plan for this man and that God's got a plan for the man in our church too who's, who answered that call. That's what he wants for all of us, folks. Truly it is. Expected or unexpected. This is what we're alert. We're on the alert for this. And so I want to ask you, are you ready? Jesus said, Jesus said the fields are ripe to harvest and we are to pray, asking the Lord to send out workers. Well, you know who the workers are? It's us. It's us, all of us. If you love Jesus this morning, it's us. And so are you ready? Are you ready? Is this, you know, the antenna's up, so to speak. Are your faith filled in what God has planned to do through you, folks? Through you, through you, through me.
you know, caught up in the holy purposes of God for our world to know there's a God who loves him and gave Jesus so they could be made right, forgiven of their sins, and a life, life eternal, for families to be changed for generations. Families, folks. Our world is distressed and it's fear-filled. Did you know that? Truly it is. That's our world. And we have the hope of the world in Jesus Christ, folks. And God is calling us. He's calling us, all of us, to look for our person of peace, share life with them. He'll help us to do that, whatever means that might be, reading the Bible, doing Alpha, whatever. And the beautiful baptism that we saw this morning, they will just keep on flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. God loves our city, folks. He does. He gave Jesus for our city. So you ready? You ready to pray, are you? I invite you to do that with me now. We're going to pray. There's two little prayers coming. I invite you to bow your heads. For those who belong to Jesus and you believe with us here in this church that God's Spirit is calling us, all of us, to find and engage with a person of peace, well, this is today's prayer for you. You ready? Lord, I'm in. Did you get that? That's the prayer. Did you hear it? Lord, I'm in. Lead me to a person of peace. Ready me, alert me, prepare me. Overcome every fear in my life. May be courageous. But Lord, I'm in. Are you willing to pray that this morning? If you are, I invite you to pray that with faith. With faith. Lord, I'm in. And for those here this morning and you are a person of peace, your faith's been growing in God and understanding of what Jesus has done for you. But you're hearing this morning and you may have been here for years and years and years or maybe just this is your first time with us, but you're hearing Jesus call to full allegiance, full allegiance, full allegiance. This is a crunch day. Then I want to invite you to pray the same prayer, actually. Whatever the unknowns or the risks may be, and they can seem very dawning, I understand that. I understand that. But this is a moment for you to join with all those who have courageously gone before you in making this commitment of full allegiance to Jesus Christ. Well, it's the same prayer. Lord, I'm in. That's it. Lord, I'm in. I want to make you my Lord and my Saviour. And I promise you this day to testify to that reality in the waters of baptism. That's where you're going to say it. It's, it's the action. To confirm the things that you've just said this very day. As heads about, if you've just prayed either of those prayers this morning... I just want to invite you to raise your hand. It's a physical sign that you're committed and will follow through on what you have just prayed. I'm going to pause for a moment. I don't want anyone to look around. I'm not looking around either. 
But if you've prayed that prayer, Lord, I'm in, I invite you to seal it. Let Jesus know, give him a wave, let him know from heaven, you're in, you're in. Lord, I'm in. Thanks, Lord, you've seen those. Thanks for the courage and the heart in this place. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, lead us on, we ask. We'll be obedient to what you're calling us to do. We thank you for the equipping that you're giving to us. Further equipment, do, Lord, whatever we need to get ready for things you've got in mind. And then, Lord, special alertness, we pray for us as a people. To look with faith to the fields that are white to harvest. And who you want us to love and build friendship with and share the wonder of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for all you already have done and are doing, Lord. It's wonderful. But God, you said you're going to multiply. Well, God, God, God Almighty, with faith we take you at your word and we ask you to do that among us for your honour and your glory for the sake of this city, the sake of our city, Lord, and our state. In our nation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a song that we just want to finish with this morning. It's um, I Speak Jesus. It's an opportunity for us to sort of pray a prayer together as a, as a church to ask that Jesus would be lifted high. You'd overcome places of darkness. You'd overcome resistance. And we just see many, many people flooding into the kingdom. So will you stand as we sing this song, as we conclude our service this morning? Yeah. And you pray with faith over your family. Jesus has got plans. He has. To not just bless us, but to bless everyone around us. You pray with faith this morning.